All right, you're welcome to open your Bibles up now to Acts chapter 16 this morning. Acts chapter 16. And um, in just a moment, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 10 together this morning. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. We've got a much larger passage of Scripture to cover today, but we'll look at the bulk of it um, this evening. But there's a few things I want us to see um, in these first few verses together. Acts chapter 16. Um, as, you, as you're turning there, I want to ask you, um, how many of you suffer from this ailment, the cytophobia? Anybody know what that is? Decidophobia. So back in uh, 1973, there was a uh, there was a Princeton University professor, um, and he and he founded the term or coined the term decidophobia, and it means to have the fear of making decisions. So I'm going to ask you again: How many of you have decidophobia? All right, you have a hard time making decisions. Okay, uh, uh, decidophobia usually kicks in in my family around dinner time. All right, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, nobody has any idea of what we want. It happens to Tara a lot when she goes grocery shopping. She'll ask us, what do you want to eat? And we don't know. Uh, and sometimes we're in the car. And uh, the question is going to be asked, well, what do you want to eat for dinner? Maybe we're riding around trying to find somewhere to eat. And, and, and I hate it when this happens, but it does happen. People say, does it matter to me? And then, and then, and then you say, you say what you want. And then that's not good enough. And they're like, well, I thought you said it was what we could, anything we wanted. And where do you want to stop? I don't know. Okay, well, here we're going to go. Now I don't want that. You just said you didn't know what you want. How about this? This happens to my kids. This happened to my kids. We go to hell on earth, Walmart, and, and we're in the store and the, uh, the, we've made an agreement. We've made an agreement that, uh, you know, if, if you're good, you behave, you have a toy, all right, we'll, we'll purchase a toy, five, ten dollars or something. The cytophobia kicks in when you take a child from five years old to eight years old to the toy section because there's so many choices. And they'll pick something up, and they'll put something back. They'll pick something up, they'll put something back. It happens all, it happens all the time. Now, we don't, have this, uh, we don't have this problem anymore, really, because we don't have, we don't have you know, normal television. But, um, but if you've been blessed with satellite or Internet TV, you, you're trying to decide what to watch. Goodness, there are like 150 channels, 200 channels. Flipping through the channels. How many of you have went through every single channel and you say, there's nothing on? Right? Well, there's nothing really on worth watching, but, the, but still we'll say, there's nothing on. Now, I have trouble with this one. I'll admit it. But um, taking me uh, to a restaurant or taking me clothes shopping, um, I, I have a hard time not with deciding what to buy. I have a hard time actually buying it, right? Like, like actually, going, actually going through with it. When you go to a restaurant, I, if I can beat Tara to it, I want to be at the bottom of the list because it takes us a while to decide what we want. Some people can just go in a restaurant and they've thought about it and they sit down and, and they know exactly what they want. But if you go into a place like Cracker Barrel or a Calvert's downtown and they've got all these side items, and I'm talking like fried okra, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, uh, broccoli cheese casserole, onion rings, fries, and you only get two choices? The cytophobia kicks in. You know what I do? I pick two things, and then I push my kids to pick two things that I want, hoping that they won't eat all of what they've got, and I get all four, all right? Sometimes six different things to choose from. Decide a phobia. Now, I know there are more intense decisions to make, obviously. Marriage was a pretty big decision, wasn't it? Deciding who to marry. Uh, if, you went on, if you're trying to decide, should I go into career or should I go to college? That, that, that's a big decision. Purchasing a house. 
That, that, is a, that, is a, that is a big decision. Just to give a, a word of testimony. You know, we, we, um, we one time, this is, this is uh, before we knew so many people that were in real estate, but we looked at a few places. We were here four years or so, and we knew that God was leading us to be here. So four years back, um, we, uh, we decided that it was time to buy a house. And we looked, and we looked, and we, we went to some places, and we offered, and people laughed at us. <laughs> Sometimes because we didn't have, you know, we, we didn't have enough money to buy homes. And some homes we went to, and we had really sensitive people, you know, people with discernment that said, that's not such a good idea. Thank you, Michael. He's been with us a couple of times to see places. Well, then God opened a door. Best decision ever. There was a, there was a family that, that used to come to this church, the Fortner family. Ben and Betty, and, uh, and they, they moved away to Charlotte, and I kid you not, they, they had their home there in Green Creek, and they said, we want you to have it, and, and we were like, well, you don't know what we have, <laughs> and the offer that, that they had for us was the exact offer we had prayed about, okay? We didn't have the case of decidophobia then. We knew exactly that was the Lord's will. One researcher found that the average person makes 70 conscious or unconscious decisions every day. You've already made quite a few decisions this morning already. You made the decision on what to wear. You know, like you made the decision um, to, to set your clock back. Or to just be surprised when you woke up this morning. It was daylight when it's supposed to be dark. Uh, you made the decision on which worship service to go to. I couldn't believe. We, we had one of the best crowds this morning for the 830 service we've had since we started. And I think they were all confused. <laughs> I, 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 I really do. But, but it was great. It was great. Uh, you made the decision. Okay, to go to Sunday school uh, uh, this morning, if you did. We had a great time at Sunday school. But, but listen, if you live your life 70 years, let's say God gives us all 70 years, the average person who lives that time frame will make almost 2 million decisions in that time frame. Life is the sum of all the choices that, that we make. And life presents us with a lot of possibilities, okay? Endless possibilities, many doors, many decisions, many choices. Some doors open up to us and we walk right through them. Some doors though close. Now, now I'm, by the way, when I talk about open doors and closed doors, I want to make sure everybody understands what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about an open door, I'm talking about when God makes things clear and this is the direction you're to go in. This is the decision that you're supposed to make. It, it's a common idea in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul talks about how the Lord opened a door for us to preach the good news in Troas. Uh, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14, they say we had opportunity, an open door to preach and minister to the Gentiles. Okay, An open door means that is what God wants me to do. But sometimes, sometimes those open doors are closed. Sometimes we have closed doors. The opportunity isn't available. God says no to something. God says not right now to something. God may say uh, wait on something that you're, that you're praying through. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to happen, but a closed door means not right now. And sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I'll, I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes when we operate in our flesh, when, when we operate uh, in our sinfulness, when we have our want-tos and our drive and our desires, sometimes we try to kick open doors that are closed. And sometimes God will open a door for us and we'll refuse to go through that door. Now, I, I belong to the school of hard knocks. And I'll tell you, uh, uh, if you, if you go with that route, trying to open up closed doors, and not going through open doors, you're going to be miserable. 
Okay, life's going to be difficult for you. I'm asking you today, what open doors are there for you? What opportunities are before us as a church family, but also as individual believers? Uh, I want you to consider that. Without a doubt, God's going to reveal something to you today about some type of door, some type of open door. I, I believe that. And we need to be praying about those and for those. We should be looking for those. And we need to have the faith and the discernment to know which doors are open, which doors are closed, which doors I should walk through, which doors I should walk in faith with. And, 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 that, and then there is that discernment of not being afraid. The reality is, though, many of us never go through those doors because we're closed door kind of people. Um, I, th- I'm just, I'm partial to, to houses like this. When I go to visit folks, I always look for this, and you don't need to do this because then I'll know that you're doing it just because you know I like it. But, but when it's springtime or the fall, like right now when the days are pretty nice outside and, you know, 60, 70, I often look to see if people use their screen door. Right, we don't we don't have that. We don't have a screen door except for on the back porch. But but on the you know, have you ever been to a person's house and and they they leave that front door wide open? They just let the screen door in. That to me that welcomes me. You know, sometimes though, as Christians, uh, we like to leave the door shut. We like that comfort. We like that routine. We we like the convenience. We don't like to be challenged sometimes either. We we like security. We like safety. Because open doors can mess things up. <laughs> open doors can, can, can mess up our plans. Open doors can rob us of that comfort and that routine. And, and we like closed doors a lot of times because we're safe behind them. And there's, you know, there, there's no change. And I can be in control. I've got leverage. I'm in charge. And I guess you could do things that way. I guess you can live your life like that. But I'm going to warn you, you can't serve God and yourself at the same time. All right, and, and you can't do your own will and God's will at the same time uh, unless your will happens to be the will of the Lord. Otherwise, you're going to be fruitless and disobedient, and you're never really going to do what he wants. So today we're going to consider the open doors, the mission door that, that is before us. And here we are in Acts chapter 16. So just to give you some background of what's happening in the text. All right, you know Saul who became Paul. All right, one of the greatest, greatest missionaries, evangelists, church planners of, of all time. One of the first, actually. Uh, Saul becomes Paul. He, he's saved, and, and, and life changed forever. He once persecuted Christians, but now he, he is a prize for the glory of God and his mission. Well, well, Paul begins some missionary journeys in Acts 13 and, and 14. And so he starts with a man named Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Barnabas was a son of encouragement. That's what his name means. Paul and Barnabas went together uh, in Acts chapter 13 and 14. They left Antioch. Everyone say Antioch. Antioch is the home base. Okay, that's where they come out of. And that's in Syria, by the way. Well, well, they begin to go through all of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And, and they go from town to town, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news. And they met a lot of resistance. Because you've got to remember, back in Paul's day, there weren't as many believers. And they would go in from town to town and preach the gospel, and, and they would meet resistance. People would try to kill them for, for sharing the gospel. One time, Paul was stoned on this, uh, on this journey, and the people left him for dead, but God, but God, uh, God kept him safe. Well, after they go back, this, this first trip ends, they take a moment to stay in Antioch, and they begin to, they begin to refuel. They build up the churches that they have, you know, they've already planted, and now it's time to go on another missionary journey. So when we're in Acts 16, 
They're on their second missionary journey. Now, Paul and Barnabas went together the first time. Okay, well, this second trip, Paul and Barnabas come together, and they talk about who should go on the trip. And there was a young man, his name was John Mark. You've read the gospel according to Mark. That he has a, he has, he's, he's responsible for writing one of, the, one of the four gospel accounts in Scripture. John Mark would have been close to Simon Peter. Well, well John Mark, uh, evidently on the first trip with Paul and Barnabas, evidently John Mark abandoned ship. He started the mission trip. They, they were over there serving in Asia Minor, and, and things were things must have got difficult, or he missed home, or or he or he or he, you know, like maybe he did get homesick. Maybe maybe um, the persecution was too much. Maybe it was just too hard for him to go on. John Mark leaves the mission team. Well, they go to take this second missionary trip here in Acts 16, and Paul and Barnabas they have a disagreement over John Mark, and Paul says, "I'm not bringing him." I'm not going to be left hanging out to dry on this mission trip. Uh, he, he's not going. Well, evidently, John Mark, John Mark was the, the point of conflict for Paul and Barnabas. And, and Barnabas is supposed to be a son of encouragement. Paul and Barnabas actually have a sharp disagreement over John Mark. And they do the Baptist thing. They make two mission teams. <laughs> All right, and so, and so two mission teams goes out. Uh, Barnabas takes John Mark, and Paul takes a man with him named Silas. Everyone say Silas. All right, Paul and Silas go together on the second missionary journey, and they go into areas like Derby and Lystra, and there they met a man named Timothy. Y'all have heard of Timothy. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. Okay, they were very close together. Well, Timothy evidently became a, a follower of Jesus, and he joins, he joins their team. And Acts chapter 16, verse 5 says that, that the churches that they were ministering to strengthened. I mean, they, they grew spiritually. They also grew n- numerically. Well, from there, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they want to go through Galatia and, and Fr- Phrygia there in the west. And they're, and they're on their journey together, and they've got their plans, and they, they've got it all mapped out. We're going to go all over Asia Minor West, but God had a different plan. And we're going to read this morning how Paul had a plan, God had a different plan. God was going to open a door for them and reveal to them a mission that they had not planned on, and it is such good stuff. And so we're not going to read the, uh, the entire text this morning, but I want us just for a moment to read Acts 16, verses 6 through 10, and we're going to discuss one truth, one observation about the mission door. This is the last sermon in this series, The Door. We're talking about the mission door. Let's read together Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they, they, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're on the second missionary journey together, and they're going west. They're going all through Asia Minor. They had this plan. They were going to go to churches that they had already already established and strengthen them, and they were going to go into some different towns like Galatia and and, and Phrygia and and, and Mysia and Bithynia. They, They were trying to go through these different areas, but God closes the door. 
They thought they had an open door because the gospel hadn't been preached yet to these areas. But God all of a sudden closes the door. He has, he, you know, the, the, where, the area that, that Paul and them wanted to go into was actually the area that uh, the seven churches of Revelation came from. But God had, a, God had a different plan. God wanted something else. Paul had his plans. God had his plans. Now, here's the point I want to make to you this morning. The mission door The mission door is opened by an unmistakable person or prompter. When I'm talking about that unmistakable person or prompter, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, if we're going to go through in mission together, if we're going to embark on this journey together, we must be in step with the Spirit of God. Paul had his plans. God had different plans. Now, I don't know, I don't know for sure Exactly how God revealed himself to the Apostle Paul the first two times where they had the closed doors. The Bible doesn't give us those details. So we need to be careful that we don't make the text say something that it doesn't say. However, it is very clear. It is very clear that when God said no, when God shut the door for them to be able to go into those four areas... Paul had the discernment. Paul was mature enough in his faith as a believer to know the difference between a yes and a no from God. To be able to do that, we've got to commit our whole lives to Christ. We can't live our lives with blinders on, only hearing what we want to hear, doing what we want to do, saying yes to what we want to say yes to, and making God's plans fit to our schedules. He doesn't work that way. God may have a different plan. And we need to be ready for his prompting. And here's the thing. When you know his voice and you know how he leads, it's going to be unmistakable. It's going to be unmistakable by what he tells us to do. I, you know I love Charles Spurgeon. I, 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 try, I usually have a quote in every sermon from him. But Charles Spurgeon was around about 200 years ago. And he said this. He said, God's thinkings are declared by himself to be exceedingly above man's. And yet, if ever man, if ever man is to dwell with God, we must think as God thinks. If my thoughts run one way and God's thoughts are in the opposite way, I cannot have fellowship with him. My thoughts must be conformed to God's thoughts or I cannot be like him and walk with him. But in God's sovereignty, I'm thinking about this text, in God's sovereignty by the Spirit's prompting, He knew the path that Paul and his team should go, and he would not let Paul go down a road he didn't need to go. It doesn't say how God spoke, but we do know this. Paul could discern the difference between God's voice and his own voice. Paul had the maturity and the faith to know God's yes and no. And we know this about Paul. He was obedient to walk through the open door that the Spirit prompted him to go. Now, I'm going to ask you this personal question, okay? Do you know when God is leading you in your life? Think about that question. That's for everybody in the house. Do you know when God is leading you in your life? Do you know his voice? Do you know his prompting? Do you know his bidding? And here's what happens a lot of times. We'll ask people, well, what is the will of God for my life? And people often says, well, God doesn't speak to me. He never speaks to me. He's not coming in clear. I I don't know what he's saying. I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. And I'm being honest. Do you open his word? If you want to hear the voice of God... Open the book. 
Open his word. God speaks to us primarily through his word. And I get it. I get it. You know, uh, I can count on my fingers and my toes and maybe a few others. How many people in scripture God spoke to audibly? There are more of us in this room than there are of them in scripture. And I'm not saying that God can't speak audibly. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that God can't speak through visions or dreams. I know that God can do that. God has spoken to me before through vision and through. I get that. But the primary way that God speaks to us is his word. And so if we, we can't go with that excuse, I don't know what God is saying. Yes, we can. We can know what God is saying. Open his word. Okay, God's not silent. He speaks. Hear his voice. Get in the book. Well, you might say, well, the Bible doesn't interest me. And you don't have an interest in hearing from God. When you don't know what the Lord wants, have you looked into his word to see what his heart has already said about your situation? I'm just speaking for myself, okay? Going out on a limb. But in every circumstance where I've had a hard time making a decision, I've never been able to not find my circumstance written in Scripture. Somebody's already been through it before. Somebody's already had had a similar scenario before in in decision-making. Earlier this week, I was having one of those moments where I just... I, I, I wasn't sure uh, of what the Lord wanted in a particular area of my life. And I began reading about the Apostle Paul of all people. And, and God, God just reminded me through studying his word that Paul had a calling on his life. And he said that his ambition was to preach the gospel, to, to go where Christ has not been named so that he wouldn't build on somebody else's foundation. He said, I, I'm going to where he has not been announced so that they will see and they will understand And what I learned this week was that Paul was a man led of God to bring people to God and to go on mission for God. And God just just spoke to my heart through his word and he reminded me, Peter, be, be that man. Okay, you may not have all the details that you want or that you like, but just know you know enough to walk with me and trust me. I'll reveal the plans to you eventually, but just know your first calling. Know what's on my heart first, and and, and I would have never known that outside of God's word. And and folks, that's how we're going to know what God wants for our lives as well, but also as a church body too. Think about what Jesus said in John chapter 16, 13. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. Think about Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 25, 4 through 5 says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me what your path is. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are my God and my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. James 1, 5. I love this verse. If any any of you lack wisdom, ask God. That's in his word. If you look at Paul's situation here, he needed God's unmistakable prompting and guidance. He needed the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I know, uh, Paul, Paul knew his mission. It was to go and preach. He knew the need. People needed to hear the gospel. He, he saw lost people. He saw the potential of the harvest beyond Antioch. He would have stopped anywhere and everywhere to preach Jesus, okay? That's the kind of God that Paul was. My kind of preacher, you know, he'll, he'll preach anywhere to anybody at any time. And, and, and so, he, 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 but it was not time for him to go west, It was not time for him to have a flourishing ministry in Galatia, in Bithynia, 
It wasn't God's timing yet. He didn't have peace about it. He didn't have confirmation to stay. He, he, he would come back later and minister in all of those areas. Paul would have the opportunity to do that. But right now, God says no. Not right now. When God closes the door, I want you to listen to something right here. When God says no, here's our direction today. Don't do it. That's simple, isn't it? When God shuts the door, don't go through it. You can't. It's closed. So, they, so what do they do? God says no, and in verse 7, they go north. They go to Bithynia. Paul was willing to go somewhere else to preach. Okay, Lord, if you don't have me to be in Galatia and, and Friday, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to Bithynia. Paul was willing to go there and preach. They get there. And God, God, God's telling them not to go there either. The Spirit's keeping them from preaching there. And so Paul keeps moving onward north. But here's something I like about the Apostle Paul. He's not shaken in his decisions. God closes the door in one area in his life. He starts looking for open doors somewhere else. God closes the door here. He starts looking for doors somewhere else. Do you notice that? Paul doesn't quit. Paul doesn't quit. And, and, and you know what some people do? When God closes a door, sometimes what people do is they just stop altogether. And they say, well, the Lord's not doing what I want him to do, so I ain't going to do anything. And we get in our little hissy fit, and we cross our arms, and we say, until he opens this door, I'm not doing or saying nothing. (laughs) We don't know the heart of God, do we? We need to keep moving forward. We don't stop and do nothing. We don't quit in our discouragement. As I'm studying this text, God never told Paul to stop. (laughs) He just told him, not here, not there. But you do notice, Paul always had a calling, and he presses on. And he presses on until God opens a door. He doesn't stop. The kingdom work doesn't stop, folks. (laughs) So if God shuts a door in an area of your life, just means that the kingdom work's not going to be at work right now in this area. Let's move on to something else. Okay, But we don't vacate in our labor. We keep moving. Paul knew that there was always going to be work to be done in Jesus' name. So he pressed onward. And sooner or later, God would make everything clear. No doors were forced open. God, God was saying, wait. So Paul worshiped. Paul served. Paul preached. Paul watched as he waited. And, and, and Silas and Timothy, I, poor guys, they're following after Paul. And I wonder, I wonder at times, they, they might have asked, what in the world is going on? This guy's taking us to places where we can't go and, and, and the doors keep closing. We're ready for the ministry, Paul. We're ready to preach and we're ready to evangelize. We're ready for miracles to happen. We're ready to get thrown into prison and escape miraculously. We want something to happen. Our leader has lost his mind. I wonder if Paul at times put those two guys, took those two guys aside and he said, just be patient. Just be patient. God's leading us. God's leading us, and we're going to do what he says. If we keep traveling, God will show up. And here's where they end up. They end up in Troas of all places. And it's there, it's there that God has them right where he wants them. God gives him a vision. The Holy Spirit speaks to Paul through a vision. There's a man in Macedonia. Macedonia, everybody say Macedonia. Macedonia is all the way in Europe. They're in Asia Minor. Okay, they're going to literally go to another continent with, with the gospel. And they never planned on that. 
That wasn't in their plans to go there. But a man in Macedonia prays and pleads for Paul and the team to go to Macedonia. And they said, help us out. Please help us. And this is where God was leading. So take a look at verses 9 through 10. It says, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice that it says the Lord had called us. A lot of people believe, I, I'm one of these two, that this is where Luke picked up with the mission team. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Okay, a lot of people believe this. I do too, that this is the spot where Luke began ministering with Paul and Silas and Timothy because he says, uh, so it's just a small tidbit for you, but they set sail for Europe. They set sail for Macedonia. This is the first place that Paul would plant a church in Europe. That's Philippi. Okay, this was God's unmistakable way. The closed doors actually revealed an open door for Paul, and that's exactly what God wanted. Move ahead. Let God lead. Let him choose where you should go. That's the best and only way to do the will of God. I'm sure that it didn't come without prayer. I'm sure that it didn't come without petition. But nonetheless, God spoke and you see them move. I want to ask you this. How is that evident in your life? How was that evident in your life? When was the last time? When was the last time that you sat down in the presence of the Lord and you asked him, Lord, where are you leading us? Lord, to what are you leading us to? God, what am I to do? God, where am I to go? Lord, to who am I to be a minister or, or to preach or to teach or to share with? And, and it's okay to ask this question as long as you do what he says. But you may ask the question, well, God, why? Who, what, where, when, why, how? How, God, will this happen? Father, I, I desire to do your will. And I see this in Paul's life and, and Timothy and South. They're not settling for what's easy. They're not settling for what's comfortable. I know they're not, settable, they're not settling for what they knew or what, or what they're used to doing. And, and so they're saying, God, give me your way. Give me your will. Give me your wants. Give me your word. You can have my heart. But show me, Lord, show me, help me to do what you're calling me to do. And that is a prayer that God will not be silent on forever. Ask, Jesus said. Seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. And when he answers, move. When God opens a door, do it. What he wants is above our wants. He's greater. What he, what he wants is greater than our wants. I want to ask you this question. Do you think, okay, we're talking about open doors, and this was not what Paul and his family was looking for, you know, his mission team. But do you think for a second that the McDonald family moved to Polk County by chance? We didn't know Columbus, North Carolina existed eight years ago. Okay, I'll tell you this. My wife and I, we, we are from the land of Roxborough, North Carolina. It's at the top of the state. It borders the Virginia border. All of our family lives back in Person County, North Carolina. And, and, and listen, at 17 years old, at 17 years old, God called me to preach the gospel. And over 12 years ago, I began in that, in that fashion, doing what God called me to do. We started as a team, Tara and I, we started teaching four, five, and six-year-olds in our home church. 
That's how we began to act on our calling. In 2007, we were married, but God moved me and her. God moved her to Asheville. God moved me to Black Mountain for a summer where I taught eight, nine, and ten-year-olds how to do stuff that I don't even know how to do at a boys' camp. (laughs) And then God began to move me towards Hendersonville. I didn't want to go to Hendersonville because dad went to Hendersonville to college. My brother went to Hendersonville to college. And I'm still in Hendersonville at college. Like, I can't get away from the place. Just in a different vocation. Thank you, Deb. Okay. I'm still there. Uh, but, but listen, God, God moved us from Hendersonville to Asheville, 2007 to 2011. That's what we did. I preached anywhere I could. I preached in nursing homes. I preached at funerals for people I didn't know. I preached, I preached in jails. I went all the way to West Virginia one time to preach in a tent to like 12 people. <laughs> because I, that, that's what the Lord said, do. And, and, and I served as a youth and associate minister, wherever, whenever, whatever God said, do. And then in 2011, God moved us here to Polk County. Now, here, here's the craziest thing. Polk County, North Carolina is the sixth smallest county in the state. All right. And, and the place doesn't even have a Walmart. Thank Jesus. But the place <laughs> doesn't have a Walmart. There are more Mexican restaurants than there are red lights in Polk County. And I'm pastoring a church called Midway Baptist. Here's the coolest thing ever. I went to elementary school to Midway Elementary. And I pastor a church called Midway Baptist. I don't have a clue how I got here. But I do know this. There was a, a buddy of mine at North Greenville University this church, Midway, was having a youth camp in 2010. It's a summer camp. They were doing their own camp. Okay, uh, some, of the, some of those are still here today. They're just adults now. But they were having a youth camp. They, they, they had a final night together over there in the Family Life Center. And uh, my friend, Mark Gregory, was asked to, uh, to go and preach at their youth camp. And he couldn't do it. And, and he called me and he said, he said, I know, I know that you love preaching. And they said they'd have pizza. And I'm like, I'm coming. And, and so, and so I said, yes. And the rest is history, an open door, a, a mission door and God's unmistakable prompting. And, 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 and I'm, I've been here now going on, working on nine years and every single day, I thank God that he closed the door for somebody else so that he would open the door for us. I'm telling you, I've never loved a group of people more than I love this church. You are my joy in Christ, a blessing that we don't deserve. And and, and some of the most gospel-sharing people I've I've ever met, you'll do anything for Jesus. And and I can't thank God in heaven enough for you. It is a privilege to walk through life with you. And and you know what? I've been thinking about this. I'm relatively young. I'm 31 years old. And I, I was looking at pictures last night that were posted at Fall Festival. And listen... I'm not as bald as the pictures say I am. So, so I know that I look older than I am, but I come alongside of pastors all the time. And some have been preaching 40 years or more, and they pastor seven or eight churches. And this is what they'll say. They'll, they'll say, they'll say uh, where do you serve at, at pastor? And I say, well, I serve at Midway Baptist Church. And they'll say, is that your first church? And I'll say, no, they're my church. <laughs> it's our church. <laughs> not my first church, not my second church, not my third church, not a career this is my church, my family, by God, not by chance, by God. I look at Acts 16, and I want to be like these missionaries, like Paul and Silas and Timothy, faithful followers of Jesus, 
firmly rooted in the Word of God, uh, moving forward in His work, never sitting still, filled with the Spirit of the Lord, only doing what He says do, only going where He says go. I'd, I'd prepared a lot more than this, but you'll have to come back tonight to hear, hear the rest of the story. But here's a, here's a really neat way to end. Um, I'm going to give you just a short testimony of direction that, that God has given me to share with you as we prepare for, I can't believe, the end of another year into a new year. I was with a, a fellow pastor of mine uh, just across town, and um, we, were, we were talking about what God was doing in our fellowships and, 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 and where he was taking us. And, and, and this one pastor, he shared about God's unbelievable work in his place. And, and as clear as day, as we were talking, we both had the same confirmation as if the Lord was speaking to us. And, and this is what God said. This is what God revealed to me about Midway. He said, Peter, your goals are too small. Your goals are too small. They're doable. That's the problem. They're too possible. That's the issue. And I'm like, what do you mean, Lord? He's like, you got good goals like Paul did. Look at Acts 16. Paul had good goals. He was going to go all throughout Asia Minor to, to preach the gospel. You got good goals to preach and teach and take the gospel in our area. And they're, they're great goals, but they're doable goals. They're doable goals. That, that's the issue. And, and, and if, God, if God's not in it, you shouldn't do it. And, and if you can do it yourself, there's a good chance God's not behind it. And I, and, I, and I was like, well, I thought you said that I could do all things through Christ, through strength. And he's like, yeah, through Christ. And I look back on 2019, and man, we have had a really blessed year. Took a step of faith at the beginning of the year and, and, and opened the doors an hour early on a Sunday morning. And the Lord's really blessing that way, making more room for us to grow more. It's taking time. It's all right. Don't panic. God's going to bring people our way. We know that. We got to go find them, though. We've got to share with them. But listen, listen, that was easy. That was doable. You know why it was doable? Because anybody can open their doors an hour early. Any church can do that. How about this for size? Our church this year, 2018, 2019, September to September, you reached over 70 people for decisions for Christ in this church here. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. The bulk of the decisions that were made in this church happened over the matter of just a couple of days and a couple of weeks. And God began to press on my heart, and he says, well, what do you think I could do if your church served and ministered and preached and taught and shared the gospel collectively every week? Your goals are too small. You know, we had a, had a goal to have small groups and discipleship groups and we, we made a goal of nine because we wanted a, a different group in a different area of the county, you know, virtually on every night of the week. We had nine small groups by June. God says, your goals are too small. Why not 29? Why not? Right? That, that's, that's impossible. That's like three or four times the size of what we have. That's impossible. That's what God wants. He wants to put things before us that we can't physically do. Stretch yourself. Stretch your faith. Reach. In our convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, there's this campaign church-wide that, that's called Who's Your One? Johnny Hunt's helping to lead this thing, and he's asking churches to ask the question, who's the one person that you'll, pr you'll pray for and share the gospel with that you'll reach one this year for Christ? And I'm like, that's a good goal. We're, we're going to go with that. Who's your one? And then God's like, why not ten? Why do you need to limit yourself to one? Why not 10? One is doable. 
One is doable. Isn't that right? Where's David at? David Morgan. Isn't one doable? Didn't you win a guy to Christ in Wisconsin last week? One's doable. You see what I'm saying? Ten, that's stretching our faith, isn't it? All right, how about this? Last year, the Lord set before us to, you know, we, we, we put out this plan. In five years, Midway's going to multiply itself, and we're going to plant a church in Tryon, North Carolina, where 70% of Tryon is unreached. That means that there are more people per, per household that don't know Jesus than those who do. It's one of the deepest pockets of lostness in the state of North Carolina. Trying is, and we're living, what, 10, 10 minutes away from it. And inside those homes are people, souls in need of Jesus. And so, and so the vision was cast at the beginning of this year that in 2024, Midway would send some 30 or 40 people out to plant something new over there in Tryon. And here's what I said. I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, when Midway grows to 300 members or so, We'll head out. Looked at the church roll the other day. When we put our two services combined, we have almost 300 regular attenders in this church. We've already met our goal. Our goals are too small. You see what I'm saying? Five years is too far out. Maybe God's preparing us to move quicker. We're going to pray about that. But I've said, you know, I, I, I thought about that and I've prayed about that. And the Lord has, has just said... Your mission doors are wide open, Pete, but you can't see it through your goals. Now, here's my challenge today for this congregation. What if we took, if God gave it to us, the Lord may return, and then our plans are just small anyways, right? But if, God, if the Lord tarries, what if we took the next two months and we spent it as a church in every service, every opportunity we had together, if we spent praying and preparing for the year that lies ahead. If we took the next two months and prayed, what if, what if God, through every individual in our church, could reach, share the gospel with, win to Christ, 10 people each? Do you know that through this congregation, you'll have already reached Tryon through this one congregation? We serve an impossible God who sets before us goals that we can't, we can't accomplish. Did you know that if everybody did that, from the youngest of children to the most mature of seniors, if everybody in our fellowship would commit to reaching 10 people each, we'll have reached well over 2,000 people in a year. That makes 70 look small, doesn't it? Test the Lord. <laughs> Let's, 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 let's move forward in faith. Do you believe God can do that through you? I'm convinced that you can. But we've got to be willing to say yes to him. I, I've set out before you this morning um, these little sheets of paper here on the altar. And, and, and here's what I want you to do. I'm not asking you to do anything with them today. But I want you during our time of invitation, if God so moves you, I understand not every open door is an open door for you. I get that. But as a church family, as a church family, I'm asking you to pick one of these up on your way, on your way to the altar. And, and there's just 10 blanks. And on those blanks, you may put down a family. You may put down a best friend. You may, you may put down a, a coworker. You may put down someone that, that, just, that just comes to your mind that, that you see every day at your, at your place of work. Maybe there's a student at school that, that's with you. And you know they're, they're far from God. They have a relationship with God. What if we took... 
one of those sheets of paper each, and we began to ask God, where, when, how, what do you want us to do? And we filled out all 10 of those lines. And I want you to keep them. I don't want you to take them home and throw them away. I want you to place them in your Bible so they're with you every time you're here. And over these next couple of months, we're going to begin praying for families, children, adults, co-workers, friends, acquaintances, that God would use us to reach them in the time that lays ahead. If you're willing to do that, would you show that commitment today by coming and praying as we close out this morning? Let's pray together. God, our Macedonia is set before us this morning. You have called us and equipped us to minister right here in Polk County, and you're using us to go and minister into into other places in the state, other cities in this nation. I understand that your call is greater than what's going on just in this one general area. God, you may use people to reach their tent in Baltimore, Maryland this year. You may use, you may use people like, like David to reach people in Wisconsin and Ohio when he's on business, even in Canada. God, you may use us. You may, may use us as we, as we go on vacation to share the good news with those that we, we may never, ever see again. But God, help us to consider today the possibilities, the possibilities of your will being worked out through your church in unimaginable ways. God, I know you can do it. It's not me that you have to convince. <laughs> but I do know, I do know that we have a fellowship, a congregation who needs that, needs that daily affirmation too. God, would you confirm within our hearts who we're to reach and where we're to go, not just individually, but collectively as a church. You've placed before us a God-sized vision, something that will last beyond our lifetimes, something that will multiply the kingdom of God. And you've given us the means, you've given us the people, you've given us the resources, you've given us the opportunity to do it. So Lord, when you open that door, I pray that we would walk through it with full faith and confidence, knowing you, Lord Jesus, are leading the way. Lord, I, I realized this morning that I may be speaking to someone that's beyond you know, the, the circumstances of our church, and I may be speaking to them about something that's going on in their personal life. Maybe there are doors that, that seem shut that we're having to wait on. Maybe, God, we're praying for you to reveal your will to us, whether it be through career, whether it be through finance, whether it be in relationship, whether it be the next step for our family, whether it be your own mission that you're calling them to as, as a family. God, whatever it may be, I just pray for complete obedience, sound obedience, and I pray we would do it with joy. I pray, Father, for those today that, that, that cannot discern the will of God because they don't know God. And if you're, if you're with us this morning and, and, and you don't understand the will of the Lord and the direction of the Holy Spirit, it could be because you don't know Christ. It is Jesus who promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We only have the Holy Spirit when we know him. And so, Lord, if there's someone today that's never put their faith and their trust in Jesus, I pray right now, right where they're sitting, they would say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me. I want to enter into a relationship with you. I love you. I'm thankful that you first loved me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for being raised to life. 
Thank you, Lord, for the glorious mission that you called me to, and I, and I want to be a part of that by your grace. God, would you speak to us in this time of invitation? And I pray that people would move. I pray that they would take the opportunity to, to jot down, to list those who need the Lord that are around us. Our Macedonia is before us, but we want to walk through doors that you open up alone. Thank you, Lord, for what you've shown us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You, you respond as, as God leads you today. Please come and, and, and take one of these and consider what God can do to your life this upcoming year.